1: Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. This is the second part of our two-part
0: episode on the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. So, with uh, the blessing of our super producer, Casey Pegram, we'll get right into it. We have uh, a few days following that initial kind of rash of reporting um, in the local paper, a Mr. Carl Kords and Mrs. Beulah Kords coming back to their home around 10 o'clock at night, and they discovered on their porch a small piece of white cloth that was just sitting there next to the screen door. Uh, And Mrs. Kords, like you do, I guess, (laughs) uh, picked it up and, and sniffed it. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I will. I, uh, yeah, that's that's an odd thing to do.
1: They live in a nicer town than we do, probably. I guess in so. Atlanta,
0: so maybe there was an odor coming off of it or something and it was it, it intrigued her but mm-hmm. yeah she apparently took a big old deep huff of that thing and uh, instantly became violently ill she began to swell up and uh, hives you know covered her face and and she had a burning sensation in her mouth and throat and started violently vomiting like we've seen Very similar effects to some of these other reports we've seen. She goes weak in the knees, full paralysis of the legs soon, um, follow that. And she describes it later. uh, It was a feeling of paralysis, she said. My husband had to help me into the house, and soon my lips were swollen and the roof of my mouth and my throat burned. I began to spit blood, and my husband called a physician. It was more than two hours before I began to feel normal again. And, and the police came, and they took the cloth, and uh, they also searched the uh, the home, and they did find a skeleton key and an empty tube of lipstick on the porch as well. So they figured that the prowler was trying to break in using that skeleton key. I'm, I'm sure most people know what a skeleton key is like. I guess it, it, before the days of more machined kind of locks and keys, where it was very specific to each lock, you would have a skeleton key that was just like a basic key that would just trigger the mechanism of most key. And again, maybe there were, Ben, you might be able to answer this, um, maybe they were specifically tooled to a set of locks in a home. But to me, it feels like it was more rudimentary than that.
1: Yeah, it can be difficult. So skeleton keys have been around for a while and some would be specific to a house, right? Just like that single house has a skeleton key. But I was also wondering about this detail, like how many locksmiths were in Mattoon at the time? Like how many people would have professionally worked with locks? Was this a key that maybe they had like left under their mat and forgotten about, you know? Because we don't know much about that key And we don't know much about this lipstick, but we do know, you know, crazy, we'll get into some theories here, but we do know that there is one thing that happens uh, with these kind of panics and crimes, copycats enter the chat. So it is possible that somebody else tried to do something like this with a very different MO because up to now, the mad gasser has never attempted to enter through a door. They've been at windows, right? And you don't need a skeleton key for a window. Uh, they also haven't left anything else behind. So, if this was the Mad Gasser and not a copycat, they were interrupted. And a later examination of the cloth found no chemicals on it that could cause uh, Miss Cords this specific type of distress. But later that night, someone else reports and attempted gassing. Mrs. Leonard Burrell said that a stranger broke into her bedroom window and then tried to gas her as well. So we've got so far, like, if we're the police, let's do law and order, Mattoon. (laughs) So we're on the case. This is a huge break in our case, possibly, because it's the first time we found physical evidence. However, things continue to escalate uh, from September 6th through the 13th. Yes,
0: that's right. On September the 6th, um, after the news broke the story on the cords, there were seven, no less than seven more attacks uh, reported. And that included one that supposedly involved or allegedly involved the sighting of the mad gasser, the prowler, the man in black. Um, And yeah, like I said, like we said from the start already a lot of uh, anxiety in the air because of the war. Um, And now, you know, you have these escalating reports of some lunatic running rampant around their small town, just gassing people willy and or nilly. And uh, the FBI gets called in from Springfield, which isn't too far from Mattoon to give the, uh, the local cops a hand with the investigation. So on September 7th, even though there were no attacks reported, this phantom anesthetist made the news. And here, here's the the basic kind of takeaway from the from the report. Uh, Mattoon's mad anesthetist apparently took a respite from his maniacal forays Thursday night, the paper said. Uh, terrified citizens are inclined to hold their breath and wonder when and where he might strike next. Good Lord. Uh, let's also pivot this story a little bit to the responsibility of the press, shall we?
1: Yeah, that's the issue. And it's an important one because they realized the paper was uh, going gangbusters as long as it had a story that was somehow about the mad gasser in in somewhere in the folds. Right. And so they decided to report that there was no report and uh, still try to ratchet up the tension by pointing out that people were scared, attempting to make them more scared. and when we go to the idea of responsibility of papers, we're not just talking about the Mattoon Journal-Gazette anymore. We're Mm -hmm. also talking about the papers in Chicago right? that are popular in this town but they're they're known as national publications. So within a few days you would be able to read multiple reports and speculative pieces about the Gasser from any number of papers. Uh, Time Magazine even reported on this, and they said, they, they got a little, they styled on it, and I like the way they wrote this. It moves through the night as nimbly and secretly as a cat, squirting his sweetish gas through bedroom <laughs> windows, which is very like Macavity, you know?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, his sweetish gas? Mm-hmm a sweet uh, I, I mean it made me think of swedish gas like this like like manufactured by the swedes that is very funny secretly you're right McCavity. it's very jellical, no question about Ooh. it and of course this just this kind of, you can't buy this kind of a story. You know, you can't. Uh, And the imagery, it's just, it's absolutely gonzo. Um, So back in Mattoon, you had the police chief, I'm presuming his last name was Wiggins, put the entire force, uh, a 10-man force, by the way, which is ridiculously understaffed seeming, but not one of them could find any evidence of the actual prowler. So the state police gets called in Got another Associated headline: State hunts gas madman. That's a tricky one. I almost wanted to say mad gas man. Um, that would work too. Good. Both would work too. Uh, and the army's chem- the army is called in. The Chemical Warfare Service uh, tried to figure out what the gas might be. Ben, do we have any reports of what was on that cloth? I'm, I'm sorry if I if I missed that.
1: Uh, we do not. So we we know that they may have found a couple of things, but because it's literally a you know a dirty cloth on the ground but they didn't find anything that could do any of the stuff described by by the neighbors or the victims over in Mattoon, responding to all the people around the nation who are writing in with their own kind of armchair investigative opinions here uh the police chief and and his forces are just It's kind of like the second act of a Law & Order episode where now they have to fight the public opinion, all the people saying, like, why don't you do anything? Uh, Up-and-coming politicians making hay, like, uh, you know, I would hold the police chief accountable. The attacks continue to rise, and the police decide that they're going to have to do something different. So they stopped looking for this Wild and crazy guy who is somehow managing to attack multiple homes but is, A, never clearly seen by vigilantes who are currently patrolling the town every night, and B, never leaves evidence. So instead, they say, we're going to put in a workflow where we verify these attacks. Hospital examinations of some of the folks who have come forward have found nothing wrong with them. Zip, zero, zilch, nada. And the incident started to decrease a little bit. But there was this breaking point for the police. And one night, three reports came in. And so police then announced, look, you can report an attack. You should report an attack if you encounter one. But when you report it, you need to submit to a full medical examination. If you report an attack, and you don't agree to let a doctor examine you, then we are going to arrest you, which is crazy, because they had been like inundated with what they considered false reports, which led to their follow-up statement on the 12th, where they said, quote, the entire incident was likely the result of explainable occurrences exacerbated by public fears and a sign of the anxiety felt by women while local men were on war service. So the misogyny is there. Basically what they're saying is like, Oh, these women folk are so emotional. That's really what's happening. And I, you know, I think in 2021, we can all agree. That's, that's a dumb thing to say. At least the second part, the rest of it, the idea that there are, public fears that are kind of getting in a feedback loop and growing out of hand. That makes total sense. But either way, right after this announcement on the 12th, the number of attacks and reports of attacks drops precipitously. The very last report comes on the 13th. Someone says the gasser was a woman dressed as a man, and I found their footprints beneath the window. For some reason, they were wearing high heels. By this time, the number of self-reported victims totaled around, what was it, 33, according to the newspapers. And when the attacks stopped, or when people stopped reporting these attacks, no suspects were ever named. No charges were ever filed. So our question now, ridiculous historians, what the heck happened?
0: Was there even really a mad gasser? Was there really a mad gasser? And uh, not, and we're not trying to gaslight anybody here. I, I had to. I had to do it. But yeah, probably not. <laughs> it's entirely likely that there was no mad gasser, that this was uh, a combination of that paranoia, that anxiety brought on by the war conflict, um, and just kind of an escalating case of mass hysteria, uh, like we talked about at the top of the show. But also, there are some pretty amazing theories, so some ranging from absolutely absurd and over the top to some pretty plausible Uh, And we are now going to go through some of those. Uh, My personal favorite that we won't even put in the numbered list would be the idea of some sort of extraterrestrial uh, visitor that uh, was spraying people with nerve agents and, and using them for experiments or something with some sort of secret, you know, nefarious agenda. Uh, perhaps this was some kind of inventor or some sort of, you know, mad scientist that was testing out his creations on the unsuspecting public or yeah, or, uh, the government, you know, as when, when in doubt blame the government, um, because, you know, surely the FBI and the police and the state police were all in cahoots, you know, but here's the thing, Ben, none of this is that crazy actually, because Again, we've talked about MKUltra, and we know that the CIA absolutely did experiments on the public um, through this guy named George White. If you wanna hear more about that, check out the show Operation Midnight Climax that I had the privilege of uh, of hosting and narrating. Um, But yeah, they, uh, they actually would reach out when people were reporting being dosed with LSD by the CIA. They didn't know it was the CIA. They went and report this guy, George White, who was an agent of the CIA, the police had already been reached out to by the CIA and told to bury the reports. So, then this is not outside of the realm of possibility, the government angle. But we've got some much more plausible uh, and, and realistic potential scenarios based on the environment, literally. Yeah, I'd like to go back
1: to the government part because people also know that the US has a long history. Even back in the 40s, people were aware to some degree that the US has a long history of human experimentation, not just. Tuskegee, uh, not just MK Ultra, but, but but like also things in St. Louis, chemical spraying of entire populations. This stuff definitely happens. Uh, and keep in mind that around this time, there are also secret towns like Oak Ridge, which is just up the way from uh, some of my relatives in modern day Tennessee. Yeah, the, so I can understand that fear absolutely. These other theories, though, are as as we said, more a little more plausible. First, Mattoon's police chief, uh, C.E. Cole, when they issue that statement we mentioned on September 12th, they say that this could be industrial pollution. There is an Atlas diesel engine company that's not too far away and. It creates large quantities of what's known as carbon tetrachloride gas. Mm. And he says, this gas is the only thing that we can find that would explain these reported cases, paralysis, and illness. And then he says, you know, it could be carried through the town. It could have left some stains on that cloth or that rag that were found on the home and explain why it didn't have any, like why it had a smell, but why it didn't have any chemicals that on later investigation could have been found to be uh, incapacitating agents. And he said, you know, maybe the mad gasser is just a figment of the collective imagination. And he described the entire case as, quote, a mistake from beginning to end. So imagine you work at the Atlas Diesel plant. Are you going to take this? No, you're going to send your spokesperson out to deny the allegations and say that you only use that specific gas in your fire extinguishers. And if there are any other gases that are used there, they obviously cause no ill effects because we have a ton of people working here. How come they don't ever lose the use of their limbs? How come they don't ever have a sickly sweet smell and then violent vomiting? And maybe even more importantly, one of the best parts of their argument, how come this gas has never caused problems in the city before? Mm -hmm. And so this, this theory, though, still has... It has some missing pieces.
0: It's got a lot of missing pieces, one of which is like the the means of transmission, right? Let's say if this gas is a byproduct of some industrial process, like how is it how is it not affecting everybody and or on a much larger scale? if it's just being pumped out into the air, people are breathing, um why is it like being more targeted? How does this relate to the rag? You know, the, the piece of cloth, that, that doesn't really add up. Uh, it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, unless it was polluting water or something that was like easily uh, a source, a vector, you know, for people receiving this substance into mm. their bodies you know in uh, large enough doses that it would actually affect people um you know we we've covered on stuff that i want you to know ben tons of industrial pollution situations and usually when it really starts to affect the population it starts to affect like the livestock it starts to affect you know people on mass and it's usually because of it seeping into the groundwater right
1: yeah it's usually something that doesn't target a specific house like lead contamination for instance gets Everybody who's exposed to the lead through, as you said, often water source. That's one of the biggest holes with theory number one. It didn't explain, and this is the official explanation, but it didn't explain how so many people reported seeing the same figure. They saw they saw the same individual and described it the same way, even when they were talking about different witnesses. And people would say, I saw someone running, even if they didn't have any idea that a gas attack, quote unquote, had taken place. And this leads us to theory number two, an actual individual, like there was an actual person somehow. Be very interested to uh, hear your thoughts on this one, folks.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer-founded, queer-run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
1: This episode of Ridiculous
0: History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snag-A-Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over
1: 6 million active hourly workers, Snag-A-Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position.
0: Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop.
1: Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile.
0: You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? (laughs) You're right, Noel.
1: It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone
0: plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month.
1: To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's
0: mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent
1: to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only speed slower above 40
0: gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
1: Like we said, there are a couple of um paranormal theories about this. Like, hey, it's kind of a cryptid or hey, it's uh, an extraterrestrial or an extra-dimensional entity of some sort. But this goes back to a guy's work I really enjoy. I uh, mentioned him in an earlier Stuff They Don't Want You Know episode on Don Decker. He's a history teacher named Robert Bartholomew, uh, who was based in New Zealand for a time. And he says there's no proof that there was some gasser in Virginia who later, I don't know, threw a dartboard at his US map and picked My Central I- Yeah, and picked <laughs> Central Illinois. But there is one person, a native of, of the area named Scott. Maruna, who is a high school chemistry teacher and author of a book called The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, he says not only did the Mad Gasser really exist, but he thinks he knows who it was, a guy named
0: Farley Llewellyn. Yep, sounds about right. Sounds like an absolute psychopath. Uh, I'm I'm just kidding. You can't really judge a book by its cover or a psychopath by his name. Farley Llewellyn was uh, something of an outcast. He was the son of a grocer, um, and he was believed by uh, Scott Maruna to have been the Mad Gasser. Maruna wrote uh, a book in 2003 about the uh, events um, where he claimed that Llewellyn wanted revenge on Mattoon as a whole because they had ostracized him for being gay, which certainly tracks in terms of, like, the attitudes of the time in a, you know, kind of rural Midwestern town like that. Most of the town believed that Farley was going insane, Maruna wrote in the book, and that Mar- Mattoon was kind of, you know, uh, like a, a a real gossip mill kind of town. Uh, and there was a lot of insinuating that the man's sexual preference was the cause of his, quote, diminishing insanity. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So like extra, 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 uh, you know just reductive thinking and and and, and highly offensive and uh, enough i'm sure it would not you know make anyone uh, feel very isolated and um you know just demonized in that way uh so i can understand the anger there but um what what you do with that anger is is the thing so maruna actually uh came to con- the conclusion that Llewellyn was the most likely candidate because he felt that one of the descriptions of the suspect in one of those many pieces that were written about at the time matched uh, Llewellyn. And so he, th- he thought he was the guy because Llewellyn was was a bit distinct. He was a tall, lanky, thin man um, who matched one of these supposed eyewitness accounts um, outside of the Kearney home in that. Um, He had graduated from the University of Illinois as well with a ding, ding, ding chemistry degree and had himself a bit of a home uh, lab, laboratory type setup. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is nothing wrong with that, but that is that could be considered circumstantial evidence. It's like it's the thing that on law and order in Mattoon would make you look into the case a little more but other chemists professional chemists are pretty skeptical that someone working at home, even a mad genius could create a gas that would be a stable enough to make someone sick, but B also fleeting enough, something that would dissipate quickly enough to not leave any traces. And this leads our guy Bartholomew to say the following. Hard line here, man. Anyone who examines all of the evidence and still thinks there was a real mad gasser is living in fantasy land. The evidence for mass hysteria is overwhelming. It is a textbook case. The mad gasser outbreak was a media creation from start to finish and has nothing whatsoever to do with the paranormal. And that brings us to our third and final theory, mass hysteria. Noel, before we get into this, I do want to, uh, I do want to point out that hysteria itself has its etymological origins in some, in some stuff that I don't think any of us listening really agree with, the idea that there is some kind of fundamental emotional instability in people who identify as women, categorically right. untrue. Yes. Luckily now, and you know, whenever we're saying hysteria, we're talking about the modern definition, exaggerated, uncontrolled emotion or excitement among a given
0: group of people hundred yeah. percent. I, th- I, th- I think that's definitely become more the uh, the way that it's used, um, but it's still, you, you see it thrown around as a, as a sexist kind of term, like, oh, you're hysterical, things like that. Um, but yeah, not cool. And uh, that is not what we're talking about at all. There is no gender involved in this one way or the other. So the local commissioner of public health, Thomas V. Wright, he was pretty solid on this particular concept. Um, He believed that mass hysteria was to blame for these outbreaks. He said the following, there is no doubt that a mass maniac exists and has made a number of attacks, but many of the reported attacks are nothing more than hysteria, for the gas man is entirely out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas he is spraying. The whole town is sick with hysteria. Okay, that's interesting. So he is saying there's a person, a person, but that the attacks are much more innocuous than than has been reported, or that people have uh, made it out to be was that was that your takeaway there, Ben?
1: So yeah, he's saying there might be some kind of dude running around. I mean, there might be a rando weirdo, but the uh, he's saying that they're not causing near as much damage as they are, you know, portrayed to be causing or perceived to be causing. And then we have to talk about the timing. The public concern about this story lasted a little less than two weeks until after Labor Day 1944. The reason it was not completely forgotten, we owe that primarily to a guy named Donald Johnson. He was a a University of Illinois psychology student who, a few weeks after the incident, visited Mattoon himself. In 1945, he published a study of this case in an outfit called the Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology. And you can read citations of his research in tons of textbooks as a classic study of mass hysteria, uh, which will go into a book recommendation I have at the very end of today's episode. So Johnson goes on to become a professor, right? And he says the case of this Mad Gasser was psychogenic. It began, he said, with one person's imagination, Miss Kearney in particular. He said an exciting, uncritical story appeared in the evening paper as the news spread. Other people reported similar symptoms. More exciting stories, like even more exciting stories were written. And so the affair snowballed. He's not the one who said, like more exciting stories. That was... That was me. (laughs) So according to this, our real culprit here, if you believe uh, Professor Johnson, is the newspaper of the day. They had the power to influence not just public opinion, but public health. He thinks that without the press coverage here, the epidemic of hysteria, as he describes it, would not have broken out. And this comes to us from The Washington Post, because the only other medium of mass communication for local news was word of mouth. At this time, and word of mouth was too slow to create a mass outbreak, and uh, it was also considered less reliable than the paper. But that's why we have the phrase "the paper of note." If the press mm-hmm. prints it, it becomes, in a way, true. So Johnson, who tallied up almost thirty police reports, and uh, the you know the newspapers noted about thirty-three people coming forward. He notes that all these police reports got reported in the media pretty much at one time, like mm. one day after the next. So this kind of added some high-octane fuel here.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
0: This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
1: And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So now we have, perhaps in the crowd today, some of our fellow ridiculous historians are saying, "Hey." you jerks. I'm from Mattoon. We're not a bunch of crazy people who are scared of gas coming through our windows. You guys are being unfair. Well, there are extenuating circumstances that uh, we feel should be considered. Uh, We're going to go to beltmag.com for help with some of these,
0: right? So there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, man. And I I made the bad, dumb dad joke about gaslighting, but that really is a lot of what's going on here. I think, Ben, you and I have discussed this in the past, but where the origin of the term gaslighting comes from, it being a psychological form of manipulating people into thinking that they're the ones that are insane. Um, and it comes from a play uh, where a character named Jack Manningham um, manipulates his wife, Bella, into believing that she is the one that's, like, losing it. Um, so it's a it's a term that gets thrown around a lot today, and ironically, this story has to do with gas, but not connected. But it very much is a thing that's happening here. Oh, oh because,
1: gas because it happens at night.
0: Also true. but it very much is a thing that is happening because you have these folks that are like convinced they've been attacked or they've been victimized in some way. And then you have authorities kind of saying, nope, 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 nope. no, you made it all up. It's, you're delusional. This became such a part of this trope That it actually made an appearance in the novel, The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, where a character is described, or a a legend within the lore of the book, the Mattoon Maniac. Um, He makes an appearance in this this book, uh, The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which of course went on to be made into several films. Um, And one character describes this legend uh, and convinces the heroes of the story that they have become delusional. So because, you know, sure, there were some reports of this being real, but that uh, it was almost uh, surely completely false. Um, Mm. So, yeah, it's like it's easy to get caught up in that. And and then you start to feel crazy and it can almost like escalate your fears because gaslighting is not meant to calm people down or make them feel like, oh, you're right. I was just blowing things out of proportion. The idea is to take something they know to be true in their heart of hearts, or at least fully believe it, and then convincing them that they are having some sort of, you know, uh, hallucination or mental breakdown.
1: Like uh, my favorite example of that in an argument, someone says, you're gaslighting me. And they say, I'm not, what, what is gaslighting? That's just a thing you made up just now. You're crazy. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's like the yep. best, dumbest explanation of gaslighting. But also these fears, again, they're coming from a very reasonable place if you look at the context of the world at this time. September 1944? Are you kidding me? World War II is, you know, we know now in 2021 that World War II is winding down, but people in the U.S. are wondering if those rumors about some sort of uh, quote-unquote Hail Mary secret weapon are actually true. You know what I mean? There were reports mm-hmm. that were in domestic papers of the time that would say, you know, Nazi Germany has these mystery weapons. They're going to turn the tide of the war. They may deploy like massively uh, dangerous biological weapons, biological agents. And um, this is a town... Where a lot of young men, like this is a rural Midwestern town. So a lot of young men have been sent directly to the front lines. And that means news of the war is everywhere. It's in the front of people's minds. And you think about the fear of poison gas. Of course, people would have known about some sort of poison gas. Yep. It killed a ton of people in World War One, And international efforts in the interwar years between world war 1 and world war 2 there were a lot of efforts to ban chemical weapons and they all failed totally yeah you would have if you lived there during this time you would have known, you would have possibly personally known someone who came home from World War I with all kinds of injuries and burns from chemical warfare.
0: You're 100% right, Ben, and I feel like a dum-dum from my questioning of this at the top of the show. I was speaking more in terms of nerve agents and like, you know, sarin gas, which wouldn't have been discovered until uh, a time where maybe that particular one wasn't as known by, you know, people in, in these small rural towns, but mustard gas and the effects of its use in World War II would have absolutely been known and these um these discussions about banning chemical warfare so i was talking about a little bit of a different thing but you know mustard gas that just kills you dead right i mean that doesn't like paralyze you what's what's the deal with like uh, nerve gas versus mustard gas they're they all just kind of are meant to just kill you right
1: well mustard gas the weird thing is it's tech it's a chemical warfare agent but it's not technically a gas Uh, it can form these large blisters on your skin and on your lungs. So it's an uncool way to go. But in the minds of like to the point about nerve agents versus, you know, incapacitating agents versus like mustard gas, etc. To the mind of the average person living in in these towns and across the country at this time, these are all kind of the same amorphous terrifying
0: thing. It's a really good point. Just the specter of the idea of chemical attack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and this it's a really good point, Ben. The idea of there being this kind of Hail Mary after the closing bell kind of attack um, that actually absolutely would have been something that would have been on people's minds in the same way that during the Cold War, people would have been, you know, uh, duck and cover and all that and terrified of potential nuclear holocaust that could have just come at the drop of a bomb.
1: Mm-hmm. And people were waiting for that terrible shoe to fall because folks are still worried about a physical invasion of the United States, even if you're in what would be considered the heartland. And also people noticed that no one had used poison gas yet in World War II. It was produced during that time and plans were drawn up to use it but it hadn't been deployed by either side and if you want to see how fearful this is you can just read not the headlines not the features of the journal gazette at this time look at the ads on August 20th a few days before all this stuff starts going down the paper ran this ad promoting what were called invasion bonds and if you look at if you look at the the copy what you see is there's a picture of the grim reaper and he's got his hands wrapped around a broadsword instead of a scythe, which is an interesting choice, I guess. And he says,
0: "Suppose every man, woman, and
1: child in this town should be killed." And then another voice going like, "Buy your invasion wall bonds today." So, like, people are being sold stuff through fear. They're being primed to move uh, in the context of that emotion. So, of course, you're going to be nervous in general. Like their baseline anxiety. Can you imagine how high it must have been? You already might already have a relative, right, and and who's across the sea, and you don't know what's going to happen to them. So there was this heightened awareness, and people were already on their guard. Um, Miss Kearney, in particular, was probably also very well aware of the reports of this escaped German prisoner. People were expecting for something terrible to happen, right? They were so ready for it in their heads or they were anticipating it so much that in a way there's this argument that they just started believing it was already happening.
0: Yeah, 100%, it makes sense. And I would be pretty terrified too, Ben. I don't know about you. How how do you think you would feel living in this climate?
1: Well, in a way, no, and this is something uh, I think a lot of our our listeners were thinking about as well during this uh, two-part episode. In a way... We did live through something like this, did we not? Uh, because we were relatively young when the events of September 11th occurred, and yeah, and in wake yeah. of that, people around the country, uh, especially in in larger cities or metro areas, uh, had a very real fear that their structures or people or the, their entire city would also be targeted. And I think a lot of this happens because you don't know when you're in the middle of history, you don't have the benefit of the textbook. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't like skip to chapter seven, 1956 and go, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll be fine.
0: No, you can't hindsight is in fact, 2020. And, um, another, another comparison I think might be to living through what we've lived through with COVID-19 and, and not knowing, um, when the other shoe was going to drop or, you know, whether this was some sort of attack or whether this was some sort of like unprecedented plague that was going to kill us all. Uh, And just, I think, you know, the kind of wait and see kind of um, uh, approach can really lead to some wild speculation, especially when you're, you know, holed up in your house and have nothing to do, but like doom scroll on the internet.
1: True. Yeah. We have to wonder how, again, how the, uh, the internet would have affected, Uh, this situation of the Mad Gasser. So, the Washington Post has uh, another theory about what specifically triggered the attack here. Mattoon returned to its normal, um, its relative obscurity. And people still talk about the Mad Gasser incident today. You know, the same way every like so many towns have kind of a local legend or a crazy event, uh, and the Mad Gasser is the the event of Mattoon. Uh, but some folks at the Post did a little bit of detective work, and they said, even though Mrs. Kearney never really went on record talking about what sparked her initial report of this sweet smelling gas, the Post speculates, and this is all speculation, that because she was an avid reader and spent her evenings reading, that on the night of the attack, they conclude that she was reading uh, one popular book of the era, My Life in Hard Times by James Thurber. It's a pretty good book. In that book, she would have met one of Thurber's uh, more infamous characters, Sarah Schof, Uh, Sarah Schof is a woman who, quote, never went to bed at night without the fear that a burglar was going to get in and blow chloroform under her door through a tube. To avert this calamity, for she was in greater dread of anesthetics than of losing her household goods, she always piled her money, silverware, and other valuables in a neat stack just outside her bedroom with a note reading, This is all I have. Please take it and do not use your chloroform. (laughs) As this is all I have, that's pretty on the nose, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's wild. Is there a name for this affliction, Ben? We should coin one. If not, it's very specific. Like oh, uh,
1: chlorophyere chlorophyre
0: uh, <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, it's not our. It's not our
1: uh, best work, maybe. But this. This has been a wild ride, and as we draw to the uh, conclusion of our two-part episode, I did want to recommend one book, and I know it's one that you and I are both fans of. Here, Noel, it is Outbreak with an exclamation mark. Let me say that again. Outbreak: The Encyclopedia of Extraordinary Social Behavior. This is a reference work with tons and tons and tons of real-life examples, outbreaks of hysteria throughout human civilization. It's well worth the read. Uh, It's... uh... (laughs) It's weird. Uh, But do check it out. And if you are familiar with this book, please let us know which uh, historical examples of hysteria outbreaks most fascinate you and why. Was it the dancing plague Noel mentioned earlier? So the more modern screaming girls of Malaysia, Salem witch trials, perhaps? There are tons of choices out there, and there are probably, I'm sure there are several, Noel, that you and I have yet to hear of.
0: Indeed, uh, and I do want to point out too. There's a couple of fun little bits of uh, trivia here. Uh, do you remember the 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 toys? I think it was probably from when we were kids, but they kept going on for a while. Uh, Monster in my pocket. Yeah, they're they're like muscle men, but painted, right? Yeah, they're like weird little painted like army muscle wrestler guys. But you know, cre- creepy, spooky monsters. So one of them from series four. Uh, they came out in 2006. That would have been a little later. I swear I remember this from when I was a little kid, though. So it must be the kind of thing where they, yeah, so series one would have begun in... 90, surely. Yes. That tracks. I definitely remember this. Uh, I don't know that I had any, but popular line of toys because it continued... Well into the 2000s, and one of the 2006 editions had a little creature by the name of the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, uh, who is a green, multi-armed monster, appears to have snakes coming off his body as well, wearing some very odd brown kind of boot-looking things and, 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 uh, and, a, and a, a creepy gas mask. Um, so, yeah, uh, apparently, let's see, there was a line associated with all of these. I think they must have come with a trading card or something. And his, in particular, says, the mysterious maniac, the mad gasser, haunts the night, releasing a strong, nauseating and paralyzing gas into the homes of his innocent victims as they sleep. He's never been identified or clearly seen. The only proof he exists is a trail of blue vapor and poisonous fumes. Don't inhale. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and, and you know what? Also, I'm glad we're bringing up these, these facts at the end. Also, we should shout out uh, not just not just Monster My Pocket Muscle Men, but Mattoon doesn't need to have its identity reduced to the place where the mad gasser was working. It is also, according to the residents of Mattoon, the bagel capital of the world. So we're ending on a more positive note as we get into lunchtime hours here.
0: Self-proclaimed bagel capital of the world. I don't know that there's any official uh, designation there. And I'm sure their bagels are great, but you know, it's, it's kind of like world's best cup of coffee you know, at a Ooh. diner.
1: Which I, I love those claims. Like if I'm on a road trip and I see something, especially if it's weirdly specific, if it's like I'm driving somewhere, and I see world's fourth largest frying pan, then I'm going to go, I'm going to go in there. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to compare it in a bad way to the third largest frying pan. I love roadside attractions.
0: What about giant Adirondack chairs? How do you feel about those?
1: I'm, I'm on board with them. Uh, it makes me feel very much like Tom Petty in that one video, you know, where he's like doing a Mad Hatter, Alice in Wonderland thing. Do you remember that one? Tom Petty Oh uh, the Heartbreakers? Oh,
0: oh, 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 are you kidding? Don't come around here no more? Where yeah. she turns into the cake at the end and then they eat her? It's terrifying. Really creepy video. He's got a big chair. That's what I remember. Yeah, I love those. Uh, But yeah,
1: if you want to go to Mattoon's Bagel Fest, third week of July, you can learn more about it. Just put it into your search engine of choice. It has the world's largest bagel breakfast with the consumption of more than 60,000 bagels and to date at Bagel Fest. No reports of mad gassing. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. I don't know if they put that in the headline, but (laughs) there you have it. Uh, thank you so much to our super producer, Casey Pegram, and our guest producer, Andrew
0: Howard. Thanks to researcher extraordinaire, Gabe Luzier, uh, Jonathan Strickland, the quizster, Christopher Haciotis here in spirit, Alex Williams, who composed our theme and you, Ben, you, Ben, it was always you. I knew it was you and I'm glad it was you. What a gas, Bill. What a gas we've had. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6x visit tomboyx.com
0: it's the kia summer sticker sales event so give your friends something to look at like a b&b with
2: an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter make this a summer to share and save with a capable kia suv
0: or powerful sedan see your local kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more kia movement that inspires
1: call 800-334-KEY for details always dive safely sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only quantities are limited must take delivery by 7824 hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher back with another season of the global number one podcast the girlfriends last time we investigated the murder of gail katz this time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared